You're now listening to the Working Poet Radio Show. This is your host, Joseph Lappin. I'm here with Manuel Gonzalez, who is the author of the acclaimed story collection, The Miniature Wife, winner of the American Academy of Arts and Letters Sue Coffin Prize for First Fiction in the John Gardner Fiction Book Award. John Gardner's a badass. That's awesome. Uh, A graduate of the Columbia University Creative Writing Program, teaches writing at the University of Kentucky and the Institute of American Indian Arts. He has published fiction and nonfiction in Open City Fence, One Story, Esquire, McSweeney's, and his new book, of course, is The Regional Office is Under Attack. Thank you so much for being here. Hey, thanks for having me. No problem. So I want to start with the Clarksville Pie Company. Tell sure. me about that. Clarksville Pie Company. So a friend of mine uh, started this pie company, and well, he just started making pies, and he would call us, mm-hmm. the circle of friends of his, and he'd say, I just made this chocolate pecan pie you want to... I took a slice out of it, but it's otherwise it's great. Do you guys mm-hmm. want to come eat it? And mm-hmm. we just did. And after a while, we're like, "What the hell, Barry? What are you, what are you doing with all these pies?" He's <laughs> like, "Well, I want to. I think I want to start this pie company." Mm-hmm. And I'm like, "That's amazing. That's a great idea." And uh, uh, and at one point, he fell in love with an Italian woman, mm-hmm. and he wanted to go to Italy for a couple of weeks, but he needed somebody to take over the pie company while he was gone. Mm-hmm. And so he gave me a crash course in how to make pies. Uh, I sucked at it, you and did. I almost ruined all of his accounts. Like he had to come back and kind of clean up house and stuff because it was. He literally showed me how to make pies in a night, uh-huh. and then left like a couple of days later. Really? <laughs> and so it was like I learned while doing what it. What kind for of about, pies? Like uh, you know, apple pie. He made this. We, we had this great, and I had to recreate it because we lost the recipe. Uh, Mexican chocolate pie, which is like mm-hmm. a fudge pie that's mm-hmm. got like cayenne and ancho chili. Right? Yeah. yeah, it's oh, a man, really good pie. Great. It's yeah. a uh, Pecan, chocolate pecan, cherry, mm-hmm. uh, French buttermilk, like coconut cream, like mm-hmm. anything. We would sell them wholesale to restaurants. Mm-hmm. And so I almost lost him all of his accounts. Uh, he fixed it all, uh, but then he wanted to go again. He wanted to leave again, and for whatever reason, he just was like, hey, let's try it again. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I was better that time, and after that, I just got the bug of making pies. And yeah. eventually, he married this woman, and they moved away. Uh-huh. And um, so I... Uh, with another friend took over the pie company um, and ran it for about two years mm-hmm. uh, I baked maybe 50 an average of 50 to 60 pies a night four nights a week uh, yeah. we baked out of this uh, restaurant kitchen um, that was about 45 minute drive outside of Austin but mm-hmm. it was the only, it was rent free mm-hmm. uh, and but I couldn't start baking until after they finished the kitchen duties mm-hmm. so I never started baking until after 9 p.m. Mm. and I would bake until about 4 or 5 uh, a.m. in the morning and then take a power nap in one of the booths mm-hmm. at the restaurant and then get up and then go deliver and how old were you at this time? Uh, I was uh, tw- uh, this was 97 to 99 I was 25 and are you writing at this time? no, no. I mean I had been writing uh-huh. and then I did this and I stopped writing. And really? I, I gained like 30 pounds. Well, I didn't write anymore. Delicious pies. Everywhere. Well, yeah, delicious pies in this restaurant. I was just, they would always give me dinner whenever uh-huh. I showed up. And I was like, they made great cheeseburgers. So I would always eat <laughs> like six nights a week. Yeah. I would eat cheeseburgers. Uh, and that will do it. Yeah. Yeah. And I wasn't writing because my sleep schedule was off. I was exhausted all the time. Yeah. It was hard. So finally, and then there were pie companies that were going under or that approached us to see if we would want to buy their clientele list and buy their company. Uh And I was looking at that road. I was like, well, 
I could do this. This could be my life, like the pie king of Austin. <laughs> or do I want to like leave and become and go back to writing? So you were literally at this point. Yeah. And well, obviously we know what happened, but yeah, tell us about that decision. Well, so I took a road trip. I was finally I was like I need a vacation. You know, my partner took over baking for mm-hmm. like two weeks while I went on a road trip with a, a friend of mine up to uh, Connecticut and Rhode Island and I'd never been to that part of the country before and I'd say, never why been to New York go? City. Oh, New York City. Yeah, uh, like yeah. She, she's from Connecticut and uh, she okay. wanted to... Um, yeah. I'm from just, Massachusetts. Yeah, and I yeah. love it up there yeah. and I, but I'd never been mm-hmm. and I just felt so much more at home in New York than I was feeling in Austin at the time. Like, Really? I, yeah, well not... I felt like I couldn't walk down the street in Austin without running into somebody I knew and then having the same kind of conversation that we'd had just two days before when I ran into them again. What, what, what was disappointing about those conversations? It's just that I was, I, I, I don't know, I wanted something new. Like yeah. Austin was starting to feel very small and uh-huh. too local. Uh-huh. And, uh, and you were feeling a writing bug again? Yeah, I was feeling yeah. a writing bug. I was feeling exhausted. And uh, New York, I thought, was a super cool town. I really liked being there. Mm-hmm. Um, and... On the flight back, like I got on the plane, I was like, I need to find out how in a year I can save up enough money and, and move somewhere in the East Coast. Mm-hmm. And by the time I landed, I was like, six months. I need to leave within six months. And then within a week, I was like, I'm leaving in two months. Really? <laughs> and I just, and my just partner, and went? yeah, I just packed up and went. And my partner, he had the same revelation while I was gone. Where he was like, I think I'm gonna move to California. I'm sorry, wow. I'm gonna leave you in the lurch, but you know, you you're doing great with Pycom. He was like, You're gonna be I'm leaving too. <laughs> so we just dissolved it. Wow. Uh, and and I moved up to I ended up in Boston um, because my friend who started the pie company mm-hmm. uh, was gonna be gone for a month. He'd moved up to Cambridge, and he was like, mm-hmm. "You can just stay at my house while mm-hmm. I'm gone, mm-hmm. and you know, I, I can help you get a temp job." And so I was like, "Well, that's where I'm going to go because that's a place to stay and you know, a job mm-hmm. until I can figure out where I'm going to land." Um, and I thought I was going to apply for a PhD program to be lit because mm-hmm. I had applied for MFA programs right out of college, and I didn't get into the one or two that I applied for. So I was like, "Oh, that's not for me because mm-hmm. I was very mm-hmm. I don't know if it didn't work right the first time." I was I would just like bail on it mm-hmm. back then, um, but while I was applying for, I was getting my application ready for PhD programs, and I was working on the critical essay that you're supposed to write as part of your application. In the back of my head, I kept telling myself, "All right, I need to do this many hours a day on this essay about this literary theory thing, mm-hmm. so that then I can get to the writing that I really want to do." Mm-hmm. And after a enough time of thinking that I was like wait that's backwards yeah that's the that's the wrong that's the wrong thing but what are you doing to support yourself at this time I was a temp at the, the Harvard Business School and then they hired me full-time so I just had a day job yeah um, so yeah I had a nine-to-five and then I would work on uh, my applications uh, until finally I was like I should apply to MFA programs and yeah like a month before deadlines I shifted gears so what because Clearly, there's so much, there's so many genres in your work, right? There's the science fiction, it's almost this comic book feel, you know. You know, did that make sense in the beginning with an MFA program, or was there some. No, that wasn't even part of the way I was thinking about writing. Yeah. Like, because, um, like, I grew up on that stuff yeah. when I was, you know, younger, horror, sci fi, comic books. Yeah. 
uh, cheap, crappy fantasy. You know, my dad loved B-movies, and mm-hmm. we would watch those mm-hmm. all the time. But when I got to college, I got involved. I, like, really took to, like, the canon. I really loved Shakespeare. I really loved mm-hmm. Milton. And then had this great Faulkner, Morrison, Louise Erdrich class that mm-hmm. I just grooved on. I just mm-hmm. liked all of those things. Mm-hmm. Um, and when I went to the MFA program, at first, I thought that what I should, what I had to write was, like, this literary canon style Mm-hmm. Realism, um, and you were doing that in the that's program. That's what I was doing yeah. in my first semester, uh-huh. and I just um, like I had a faculty member, Ben Marcus, who kept pushing me, pushing me to try things because he could. I guess he could see that there were things I wanted to try that I just wasn't yeah. committing to. And then the second semester was when I like I had this weird idea about a guy who thinks his wife and he are communicating their sexual desires by the clothes that they wear, mm-hmm. and so he just stops talking to his wife except for by pieces of clothing that he's wearing and Mm -hmm. he reads her clothing and he has this long like spreadsheet of how to read everything that she wears and Uh he creates a language out of it but then you find out no that guy's just a nut job that's not and she leaves him and he's like (laughs) left adrift Uh because he's like he keeps he can't get it out but it's a weird story and I was really having fun with it I thought it was a funny story and I liked it but then I got scared and so I downshifted into something more normal for the second half of that story uh-huh. and everybody in workshop was like that first half was unlike anything we'd ever read and it was amazing and interesting and then it became like something we had read before but done better by other writers uh-huh. <laughs> and I was like so well, the first, first half was when I was having fun yeah so I should just do that yeah is that something that you know you see ha- needs to happen with a lot of young writers that's what I try and tell people yeah. all the time when I'm yeah. teaching that if you should be your first reader, uh, because if you aren't, if you don't think it's funny, if you don't think it's sad, if you don't think it's weird or unsettling, if it's not eliciting the emotion from you, uh, it's hard to expect then a stranger who doesn't know any of the context inside your head that makes these things funny or sad or interesting. How's a stranger going to be able to react to it if you aren't also reacting to mm. it in this kind of visceral way? And so. And the other thing is writing's not it's not easy to just sit down and face a blank page. Sucks. And so yeah. if it's not fun, like if you're not enjoying the weird unsettling things that you're doing on the page, mm-hmm. then it's going to be even harder. Yeah. to go back there every day. So even like make it a little bit easier on yourself yeah. and do things that you think is interest it, you. Is it also though does it also parallel to going like recognizing who you are? Yeah. Because can you tell me about that you're talking about your father? Tell me about Growing up and the, the stuff that you're reading and how much you loved it and how did you sort of it, how did it click that oh yeah I got to go back to that because that's it might be fair to say that that's what you did you went back yeah, to that I did yeah. I, I went back to that and then I kind of just mashed the two things that I liked a lot together like mm-hmm. I like reading good literary fiction mm-hmm. um, and it sometimes it's hard for me to go back to the like pulp fiction I used to read because yeah. the writing is just not up to yeah, what yeah. I like yeah, yeah. <laughs> but. But I still like the stories behind them. But there was, like, I'm not sure it was a subtle thing where I started doing weirder and weirder things. Like, when I was in school, when I was in school, most of it was more just, like, surreal or magical realist or... It was less uh, genre 
And as I started, once I left school, I started playing around with more genre stuff mm -hmm. just by accident. Mm -hmm. Like I got an idea for, a, uh, I was listening to an NPR thing about zombies and the resurgence of zombies that was about to happen because the reboot of Dawn of the Dead had come out. Mm -hmm. And uh, I think it was right when The Walking oh, Dead yeah. uh, graphic novel or uh, comics started coming out. Uh -huh. um, and I just thought, wow, has anybody done a zombie story from the point of view of a zombie? Yeah. And then how would that go? Uh, and started playing around with that and horror, and I remembered all the things that I liked about horror. Well, tell me about your father, though, because, you know, he liked this stuff. Right? Oh, yeah, he loved so, this stuff. So he still tell me loves about this it. stuff. Yeah? Uh, yeah, well, he, and, you know, he wanted to be a writer. No, um, really? Yeah, and then he didn't because he had too many family obligations and being a writer. For him at that time, being a journalist just wouldn't have covered it. So he took a he took a civil servant exam and then started working for the IRS, mm -hmm. and he did that for his life. Um, and but like he always loved just good pulpy stories. Like we yeah. watched they have the Triffids, the um, Zorro, the old Zorro uh, serial, the old uh, Lone Ranger, and we would watch all the Star Treks. Like mm -hmm. I watched um, like the Black Hole with him all the time. Like this old just fun storytelling that yeah. was crappy effects uh -huh. and just not not the best dialogue but it's just a good adventure stories and that's just what he always loved and I just grew up on it what is what is the IRS job how does that influence this <laughs> well you know every office job and then his own life uh, of working in this office job that he was good at, but he didn't really love, mm -hmm. uh, influenced the regional office in the idea of like, what's it like to be in that kind of office atmosphere, mm -hmm. uh, the office politics, also just the idea that, because I've worked in a lot of offices, I worked mm -hmm. for university administration mostly, and then I did nonprofit work. Um, mm -hmm to varying degrees of success. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's some office job, there's some office work that I'm really good at and I can do, and what I liked is that I could do a total of two hours of work would finish all the stuff that I had to get done, mm -hmm. but I'd still be at a desk with a computer at it, so then I could write. Like, mm -hmm. I could sneak in, write, so you'd write at, at work? I'd write at work all the time. Oh, man. I'd write at work, I'd uh, leave my office and go to the library and read the things that I couldn't subscribe to because I didn't have any money to subscribe to them. Uh, I taught fiction classes online while sitting while at, at work. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> because the because the, like there's so like I don't understand how people work in an office and not have something else that they have to do <laughs> <laughs> because it seems like office work. There's you have to be there for eight hours, but there's never really like there's sometimes, but rarely is there like a full eight hours worth of stuff that you have to get done at least on early administration, which was what I was doing, yeah, I was just yeah. working as faculty assistants or assistants to the chair, or mm -hmm. stuff like that. So yeah, I would write at work all the time. Like I finished my thesis for graduate school while I had a job as the assistant to the chair of the economics department at Columbia, uh -huh. uh, and I just would write. And the my my supervisor, she knew, mm -hmm. and she was like, she was like, so long as you get your stuff done, mm -hmm. that's fine. And she's like, I'm glad actually that you have something else to do because it seems like this job by itself wouldn't be satisfying mm -hmm. long term mm -hmm. and it wouldn't have been like mm -hmm. I liked the people but the work was so easy that so yeah so all of that stuff kind of just goes into the way I think about the office itself and also I like the idea of I don't know even because the regional office is this secret training facility for super powered women to defend the planet but mm -hmm. also they got a 
handle accounting. They, like, <laughs> there has to be an infrastructure yeah. to handle all this stuff because that's just the world that we live in. And yeah. so what would that be like? Who would the people who work there be like? Yeah. And they would be, you know, sometimes heroic, but a lot of times petty mm-hmm. and full of, like, the same office pettiness that comes mm-hmm. up in whenever you work with people all the time and not necessarily doing something that you dreamed of doing when you were younger. Like, you, it's rare that you dream of being an accounts manager for, uh, you know, in middle management mm-hmm. stuff, but that's sometimes what you have to do in order to just get through mm-hmm. and put food on the table and pay rent and get mm-hmm. to do the other things that you want to do. Which is a struggle to get that balance. It right? is. It's a huge struggle. Yeah. It's, it's hard to figure out um, how to make that work. Which is why when I have students, I always... I always say that you become a bartender uh, or a waiter or find a, a mid-level admin job at a university because mm-hmm. that way you'll get benefits and you get a lot of time off because mm-hmm. the university closes so many times for holidays mm-hmm. and that's time and then also it doesn't doesn't drain you mm-hmm. like mentally because mm-hmm. I feel like that's what I was always looking for, something that didn't drain me so that when I, if I had a full day of work, I still could get up early the next morning before going into work and I would have like the creative energy to still yeah. do what I wanted to do. So my last question is, and I think that's really a lot, a lot I think a lot of people who are listening are looking, they're looking for that balance, but my last question is about, you know, almost every guest I have on this show whether it's a, a, a chef or uh, you know someone who's working in technology or graphic designer, they, they if they're doing something truly creative, um, they almost always seem to have a moment that they recognize whether they were growing up or you know an environment that they were in that was such a part of their life that they were suddenly different, that they were somewhat of an outsider, and that was the sort of uh, you know recognizing that there was something else out there. It was there a moment like that for you, where I recognized that there was something else? Um, yeah, there. Were, like I recognize it a lot. Like when I was working, I used to work at the University of Houston in the Contracts and Grants Administration mm-hmm. Office. And they were lovely people that I worked with, but I felt so different, and they knew me. They knew so little about me because I didn't have any. I didn't have any connection with them on this way like I didn't mm-hmm. care about the same things they cared about mm-hmm. I really just wanted to talk I wanted a creative class to be hanging out with and to be talking about writing or to be talking about art but I knew that I wouldn't get it there mm-hmm. like there are a lot of times where I feel like oh these are lovely people but they're not my people mm-hmm. um, but I think when I was like when I was in high school was when I realized that I was not that I was not going to do just what a lot of other people like I just couldn't land on anything in high was, school. Was there something that, was there like a spark or just kind of like a general awareness of it? Um, there was just a general awareness of it because there was, I kept trying, like every year I tried some new thing. Like one year I would try all the theater things that year. One mm-hmm. year I tried all the orchestra things that year. One year I tried all the debate and I was just looking for some outlet that I could land on. I didn't actually finally land on it until after my sophomore year of college. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that whole time I was casting about. And finally I was like, well, I guess I'm good with language and I'm a good talker, so I guess maybe what I should do is be a lawyer, mm. which is what I thought I was going to do when I 
graduated from mm-hmm. like I was I took the LSAT and I applied to law schools and then just by that time though I'd realized that creative writing was what I wanted to do and so I was like no no thanks what advice would you give to someone to land on that to land on that thing that is meant for them to land on that thing is a hard thing to figure out um I would suggest that they uh if they don't know what that thing is to not be afraid to try as many different things just try as many different things like find something that offers whatever financial security they can muster Mm -hmm. and then from that place cast them out cast themselves out to as many different things that fearlessly there's nothing there's no reason why you couldn't be a ceramicist and be very good at it Mm -hmm. just because I mean just try it and see maybe working with your hands is the thing that is your thing maybe working with narrative is the thing your sort of thing but nobody's gonna like judge you for being bad at it if it's not your thing but then at least you know oh that's not my thing rather than I wonder if ceramics was my thing and I just never took the chance so if you're listening out there moral of the story well you know (laughs) take the chance you know yeah yeah thank you so much for being here hey thanks for having me pleasure you're no longer listening to the working poet radio show